0: Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all. Hello and welcome to Just Quietly. I'm Amanda Stoker and in this podcast we chat through some of the most interesting issues of the day, and because everybody is grappling with the consequences of uh, the economic and health impacts of the COVID-19 virus, I have the pleasure of being joined by Brad Roberts today. He's from the Peak Partnership Business Advisors. They're based in Mount Gravatt, or Upper Mount Gravatt in Queensland, and their number, should you want it down the track, is 0733609888. What's great about Brad from The Peak Partnership is that he is so um, proactive when it comes to helping small businesses get through this, that he's put together this fabulous guide on what you can access and how. So I thought having him on the podcast today might be a great opportunity for people who are in small business and hoping to get some help on where to go and what measures uh, might be applicable to them, get them a little bit of advice. Uh perhaps connect them with somebody who knows an awful lot about this and might be of use to them and uh, chat through some of the, the range of, um, I guess, segments of our community that the government's been trying to assist with um, the measures that have been put in place over the last little while. So, Brad, thank you for making time for us today.
1: No, thanks very much, Amanda. I'm very, um, very pleased to join you today on the podcast and have the opportunity to um, to get some information out to all these small business owners. We're finding at the moment, I mean, they're unprecedented times and there's a lot of information to, to come at people very quickly and a lot of changing circumstances that are happening day by day. So what we've tried to do is get out and say, hey, look, we're here to help We're as accountants and financial advisors, our role is to try and take that burden off people and make it simple for them and point them in the right direction and, and get them through this as best we can. We're all in it together, so we need to um, need to get that information out there and make, make things um, as simple as possible for them to access these stimulus measures so they can keep doing what they need to do.
0: And obviously, I have um, visibility from the government perspective on what all of these measures are, but the great thing you've got is um, day-to-day interaction with people's businesses. You can see exactly what they're struggling with and um, what what's working and what doesn't work and uh, what other options might be better for, for people than what necessarily uh, might pop to mind first. So, the, the measure that everybody talks about most lately is the JobKeeper payment. Um, it's a... before tax per fortnight per employee wage subsidy that's coming from the government. It's paid through employers to the employee. It's administered by the ATO. What can you tell listeners about um, tips and tricks for um, when's the right time to go for JobKeeper and who's it best for?
1: Absolutely. So JobKeeper is certainly one of the ones we're, we're hearing the most about from clients and this week is exceptionally busy. Um, that's probably the first point with JobKeeper is there's a, a window of opportunity at the moment to get registered if they're eligible right now um, to get payments backdated from 30th of March. So they need to uh, need to get registered this week if they're going to do that and to pay the 1500 a fortnight to the employees for that period so they can get it reimbursed. So you're right, JobKeeper works. As a wage subsidy or, or a subsidy to help drop in business income, um, depending on the entity that people are a part of. Yep. Um, and it's it's a it's one where you pay out the money first, and then when you have employees anyway, and and then get reimbursed. So, um, a lot of people initially, I think, they jumped on the ATO website a few weeks ago and they hit the. Registered their interest. We're hearing a lot of people getting a bit confused, thinking that that registered them for JobKeeper when, in actual fact, it didn't. It was just the mailing list to go, hey, when it's open, we'll let you know. So it's critically important if they satisfy the JobKeeper rules to get on from now and actually go and do the enrolment and go through the testing to make sure that they're eligible, Um, because it is a it's a self assessment like anything to do with tax and what we're trying to make people well aware of is do your homework properly make sure you are eligible the spirit the government put this great stimulus measure in place to really help business and we certainly noticed a change in sentiment through our client base in all different industries since this was announced
0: that's encouraging um
1: yeah they're all well before that they were all extremely um extremely scared about what the outlook was and they were they were talking about some pretty drastic measures but now we're noticing they're starting they've changed their tune to be more let's look through and look at the light at the end of the tunnel and how can we get through this which is great it means a lot of jobs um can be saved and and preserved through this this crisis so that that has been very pleasing um the so with this um job keeper it's about First up, you've got to work out, are you eligible as an employer or as a business? business? So that requires, for most small businesses, um, anyone under a billion dollars turnover, it's going to be a drop of 30% in your turnover. Now, they need to be aware it's GFT turnover. It's not. uh, So that is slightly different to normal taxable income. For most small businesses, it'll be fairly similar. But what they need to take into account there is um, whether they're on cash or accruals for GST, um, whether there are any sales of assets that they had in that period last year, because that doesn't count for GST turnover, whereas normal trading income does. Um, they're also, they've got, the period they have to look at is, say they, they see a drop-off in sales in March this year, and that's the first thing. So, any, any month between March and September this year that you see a drop-off in your turnover compared to last year, that then triggers you to think, oh, okay, let's test and see if I'm eligible for the JobKeeper program. Then what you need to do is look at that corresponding period last year. So if you had a drop in March 2020, you look at the March month 2019 and compare the two. And if there's a drop of 30% or more in turnover, then that will... Um, qualify you um, for the turnover test for JobKeeper. Then you can. It doesn't just have to be March. It could be April. It could be May. It can be any of the months.
0: Any time in, in that six-month uh, period.
1: That's right. And it and so the first uh, the first part of the JobKeeper testing, you can go March. You could go April. You could go the March quarter. You could go the June quarter and base it off forecast figures. But if you're going to do it on forecast figures, we're drilling into people, have a very reasonable basis for how you're making that forecast. It's pretty easy if you're in certain industries where they've been shut down. Um, but if you're not, say you're in a, an industry like construction where it's a very lumpy style of income, you're going to need to have a good basis for why you think it's going to drop. It's not about people just getting a, a sudden cash benefit to the business. This is about helping keep jobs so make sure you do your homework and, and project out that income properly. So that could be off looking at your forward order book and, and gauging when those projects might start when income comes in and um, are you getting far less inquiries now than what you were previously or all, all this sort of data because being a self-assessment, um, having a being self-assessment to get into the program, one, you will get likely get paid. Straight away, but you're going to need to justify it at some point because the ATO, rightly so, is going to ask questions and say, "Are you were you really eligible?" Um, and then you, the way to deal with it, you show them all the all the data that says yes. Here's our reasonable basis for how we came up with that estimate or, or our eligibility. And if you're doing the right thing, no problem. But if you're um, if you don't have all that data there, it's very hard to prove how you actually came to a reasonable estimate over um, over whether you are, you are eligible or not.
0: That's a good now, point.
1: If, yeah, yeah. We're noticing a lot of, that's where we're helping a lot of clients at the moment um, is trying to show them how to come up with a reasonable estimate because a lot of small business doesn't necessarily do cash flow forecasts and projections because they don't have a financial officer just sitting inside the business doing that. Um, so... We're stepping in and trying to walk them through that or do it for them to, to show um, how to actually do it and prove that they're eligible. And it, and also what it does is down the track shows them how to be better business owners because then they're actually doing something they should be doing anyway as a business owner on a regular basis to know whether they're making making money or not.
0: Hey, fair point. One of the things that people um, say occasionally about JobKeeper is, "Oh, you know, what's the difference between it and welfare payments?" Um, yep. And I can see why they might say that in the sense that it's, it's a big number, right? It's, it's still a big outlay in terms of That's taxpayer right. funds. But what the government's trying to do with this is help people maintain their connection to the workplace because yes. all of the evidence shows um, that people do better if they stay connected to a workplace through a time um, like this. It's about giving workplaces what they need to be able to bounce back to capacity Uh, quickly following this period and um, the more people we can keep off the unemployment queue the better their prospects are once we get through this lump. So that's the rationale for JobKeeper versus just having people move over to welfare. Um, The other thing I will mention from uh, experience so far is that for people who are dependent on their bank to get certain information that's needed to um, conduct their self-assessment Um, get onto it fast because that deadline of a week or so is really significant um, if you want to get the the backdated pay and um, sometimes there's a time lag for banks to be able to provide that data. So don't delay, get onto it.
1: Yes, spot on. And, uh, yeah, the earlier you get onto it, the better. We're finding all around. Um, Because everybody's flat out trying to make sense of what's going on. They're on very short deadlines and look in fairness. The governments had to step in and do it quickly. So if people get frustrated, you yeah, go, well, they stood in and they did something quick that they needed to do. So they didn't have the um, luxury of having six months consultation period to do everything. They've they've had to act swift and fast, which is what they've done. So let's so get in as early as you can. Do your um, get all your information that you need, and and you'll be right.
0: The next measure that you cover in your guide is tax-free cash flow mm-hmm. support between $20,000 and $100,000 that's paid in two rounds, each of up to 50000 for businesses that have an annual aggregated turnover that's less than $50 million and that make particular payments to staff by the end of this financial year. Tell us about that one.
1: Yeah, that that one there is where you have employees and you, you're you hiring them, paying the pay-as-you-go withholding tax, so the, the tax on wages. Now... As you, what that does is it says, okay, if you pay wages, we're going to help subsidise that pay as you go withholding, and they do, and that's being done via a credit put on your BAS account at the tax office. So as you lodge your BAS, and we're seeing a number of them right now, we've done them this week already, and when you lodge the BAS, say you're a month, say you're a monthly payer of pay as you go withholding, and you've got ten grand worth of pay as you go withholding that is on that March BAS, the the ATO will instantly put a $30,000 credit on your BAS account, meaning that will help cover those BAS payments. And if it it goes into negative, the ATO will pay you a refund so it can come back to the business. So that's a big cash flow boost to a business where they're now, it's essentially meaning they're paying net wages. They're not paying the wage plus the to go withholding up to 100 grand for some businesses across the next six months. So that people have gotten a little bit confused initially thinking it was a cash payment coming in. But as we've explained to them, no, you are definitely getting a big cash flow boost to your business cash flow because you were otherwise having to pay these BAS payments that now you're not having to pay that much on there. So it is directly impacting your cash flow and helping you out. And, and um, it's a reward a, for
0: businesses that are keeping on top of the bookwork, even though um, that's right. things are tough.
1: That's right. Yeah. So they and we have noticed a lot of clients actually um, coming in far earlier with their best work and Kia and getting all their books up to date, which is fantastic to see. And and they're all very positive about that one because it's a lot of money to a um, a small sure. business that they get as a as cash flow help there and cash flow boost. And we're also what's been very pleasing as well as we've practically done it is seeing. And this was as of yesterday, lodging BASs and then the boost was there within 10 seconds. The ATO tells you straight away, okay, here's the boost that we're applying to your tax account, whether you've got a refund or whether you just pay a reduced BAS. So there's there's not a lag period. It, it's been very positive, the experience with that.
0: That's really interesting. Um, the instant asset, asset write-off has been increased to $150,000 and extended to businesses that have... Um, a bigger annual turnover. Um, What impact is that having on small and medium-sized businesses?
1: It's certainly having an impact. So a number of clients were wondering what impact that would have given we're in a downturn at the moment. It's a reasonable question
0: to ask, yeah.
1: It is, yeah, because they said, well, I don't have cash to buy an asset. And I said, yeah, but think about this the other way. Bigger businesses or businesses in certain industries that are booming, because not everybody is in a downturn. There are, like, if you're in freight logistics with food at the moment, you're booming because mm. there's a demand there, or or in health. So what what we're finding is, we said, look, there are bigger businesses or other businesses that are booming that are going to want to buy assets. That's going to help your business because you might sell those assets, and all of a sudden you're getting turnover you otherwise wouldn't get. They're going to because they're going to go ahead with that purchase now because they're saving a significant amount of tax by bringing, by having that instant asset write-off extended. So as an example, if they had a hundred, let's say a business bought a $140,000 bit of equipment and qualified for that instant asset write-off, that's about 38 grand worth of tax that they're saving if they're in the small business um, space in this year. So that's a significant um, incentive for them to do that and that means that the business that sells them the asset is going to get a boost, they're going to be able to pay wages and then all those employees can then go and buy things. So that money filters through the economy. The finance company that or broker that helps them organise the finance most times, they're gonna have extra work. So that one transaction can create a big flow on effect right through a number of different industries. So that's where we can see that boost really helping.
0: And what about accelerated depreciation deductions? And um, that's one of the measures that's been brought in. It provides for the ability to deduct 50% of the cost of the asset plus normal b- depreciation deductions on the remaining cost amount in the year of purchase. Now, for a lot of people, that'll be gobbledygook. Can you um, explain it for us?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, and and that's a very valid point. A lot of people, when we talk depreciation or write-offs like that, just look at us with glazed-over glazed over eyes. So what that, that means, face. <laughs> we sure do, sure do. We've seen it many times. What it means is if someone, say they they, they go out and they just, um, they buy a ream of paper for their business usually. That's a straight off tax deduction in that year. You pay you pay 20 bucks, you get the write off. With an asset like a car or a bit of equipment for the business, let's say a, um, a truck, the business or a printing press or something like that that can't just be written off in the first year the the rules say you write it depreciation means you write it off over the life of the asset so how long it's going to last so if that if you think that truck would last 15 years or 10 years you've got to write it off bit by bit over that number of years Mm -hmm. so you're getting a tax break but you're getting it as as the value of the thing drops year by year not all at once now what what accelerated depreciation is doing is saying, well, we're going to let you write off a far bigger part of that cost in the first year. So instead of waiting across 10 years for that tax deduction, you're getting half of it straight away in the first year. So, of course, that is a big incentive because you're now not paying as much tax in that year. If people say, oh, but hang on, I'm still going to have the same, I'm just going to have less deductions later, you go, yeah, the use of the money. You have use of the money now, yeah, because it's there's more in your pocket, which gives you opportunity cost, or it gives you cash flow boost. Now that's that's where it's important for businesses. If if they can write it off quicker, they will have a better cash flow position, or they'll have they'll see opportunities out there um, that they're able to take that they otherwise couldn't.
0: That's a really good point. And um, the next one I want to talk about with you um, is one I think has sort of flown under the radar, but it's a very big deal. It's a wage subsidy of 50% of an apprentice's or trainee's wage for up to nine months. Now, this is available for businesses with less than 20 employees. And I was talking to the minister about this uh, just today and she said over 5,000 businesses have taken this on and um, it's making an awfully big difference, but not all that many people know about it. So, So tell us about... Um, how we are trying to keep apprentices and trainees on the go.
1: And yeah, I think your point's very valid there. We're, we're noticing as we talk to clients that a lot of them haven't paid attention to that. They're paying attention to JobKeeper more so. Yeah. Um, but this is a very important one. Uh, there, So we've been getting out talking to clients that we know would have trainees or apprentices and saying, um, and you do realise there's a, a very good subsidy here to help keep them on because the the logic is you've got you're trying to create this workforce for the future and apprentices are there. Now, if people get into cash flow trouble in the business, probably one of their first thoughts is, I'll offload the trainee or the apprentice, which is not what we want. We want to be able to get them upskilled so that they um, contribute a lot to the workforce. Now this will give them a subsidy of fifty percent of the um, of the apprentice wage up to seven grand a quarter. So that and this is so it's um, it's tw- up to twenty one thousand per apprentice. So that's across three quarters of this year. You can have up to twenty one thousand of an apprentice's or a trainee's wage subsidised by the government, which makes holding that employee very very achievable. And that way, you can keep keep them in the workforce, upskill them, and help your business too, because you, you're keeping on somebody. It's not costing you a whole lot as a small business owner to hold the apprentice there and give and keep the training going um, and you're also helping your business at the same time and you're getting a great subsidy for it.
0: Yeah, it's trying to do the right thing by young people so that they don't get um, shortchanged as a consequence of um, this period. It's trying to do the right thing by particularly small businesses who are going to need that skill set in time and absolutely um, trying to maintain the relationships that um, are built up in the course of an apprenticeship, which which are really meaningful and hard to replicate quickly and uh, it's also about keeping um, Australia's skill set growing because we don't want to find ourselves in a skill shortage a couple of years down the track because all the apprentices got punted during this period.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's a very short-minded view if you just think instantly. Oh, I just need to get rid of the um, the junior staff member because, as you say, they they're the future of the workforce and they're and we we need those skills in the workforce. And if you if you're loyal to your, um, your trainees and apprentices and build that relationship, they can be fantastic employees, long-term employees for your business over time, which, which can um, mean a lot for you and a lot for them.
0: The solvency safety net is going to be important for some businesses. Can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah, well, this one is probably very topical given... Um, the situation with urgent yesterday. Absolutely. And a, lot of, a lot of clients have been asking us, what does administration mean versus liquidation and receivership? And um, So with businesses, when they go through a tough time, it's like if people personally go through, if an individual can't pay their bills and they're in over their head, they have bankruptcy. Now with business, you don't have bankruptcy. What you have is insolvency. So that is the business cannot pay its bills and that could be a company, it could be a trust. Um, But with a company, people think, oh, directors, they won't be liable for anything, which is not the case. Um, They're not off the hook for everything. Now, directors, if they're running a company and they know it's insolvent, so it can't pay its bills and it's basically going to going to run out of cash um, and leave a a whole heap of people owed money, a director is supposed to put their hand up straight away if they don't want personal responsibility. They're supposed to go, hey, my duty as a director is to say to an insolvency specialist, when we're insolvent, we can't pay our bills, we need help. And then an administrator comes in and and assesses the business to see whether it's a viable ongoing business or not. That is what directors are supposed to do. In this case, where you've got... um, and sorry, just to backtrack, what happens then is the administrator works out is is the business viable or not. If it's not, they put it into liquidation and they carve up the business, sell off whatever assets they can, and see if there's any money to pay creditors. Now, directors, if they don't do that, they can be sued for insolvent trading. Meaning the director becomes personally liable for any debt that get a, that get racked up by that business from the day it became insolvent. So that That's could a really be quite a lot of consequence. money oh, it can be a huge amount of money even for a small business. You think about the amount of um, the amount of bills that businesses are running through, even small businesses on a monthly basis. And if you did that for six months, that could be an enormous amount of money that a director is personally liable for. So what this does is gives them a bit of a safety net and says, well, we know these are unprecedented times and businesses are going to be find it very tough and chances are they're actually going to be, on a technical basis, insolvent knowing that it's a we're trying to get them through to the other side of this, the laws are being relaxed a bit to say well directors won't necessarily they won't be done for insider are tra- uh, not insider trading insolvent trading. Um, where so they won't be personally liable. Now they still need to be um, they still need to act in the right manner and not try and deliberately do things. But those genuine people, which is the bulk of people, they genuinely are going to find business tough. This way it gives them a bit of a safety net so they can, with confidence, steer their business through this crisis and out the other side. And that's exactly what we want. We want businesses to come out the other side and start growing again because if we don't, if we didn't have these measures in place, us as advisors would be telling a lot of clients to quickly get this company into administration because it's not solvent and you need to protect. As a director, you need to protect yourself and you need to do the right thing by the law and and hand this over to somebody. So that if this wasn't in place, we see that would it could have resulted in a lot of businesses suddenly going into liquidation which leaves creditors everywhere owed a lot of money that they're not going to get, which impacts the entire economy.
0: So it provides an opportunity to trade through it in a way that might not otherwise have yeah, it been does. And
1: that's right.
0: That That's a pretty um, significant opportunity, I think. And, and when you combine that with some other um, more discretionary measures, like the ability to reduce PAYG instalment amounts to zero for March, the ability to defer for up to six months, the payment of activity statements, income tax, fringe benefits tax or excise duty and um, the undertaking that's been given by banks to provide support for landlords who don't evict their commercial tenants, there's um, a little bit of flexibility being built in at different parts um, of, I guess, the sensitivity um, uh, cycle for for a business that uh, will hopefully make a big difference to their ability to make it through this time. Um, Your guide also covers... um, a lot of the measures at the welfare side that we won't go through today but for people who are interested in um, what changes have been made and and further opportunities have been made available at the social services and social security end of things um, the guide also covers um, those and provide a nice little summary of the way that they are operating in the current environment so if you're keen on um, learning more about these things can i commend brad's guide to you it's um, really very helpful. It's written in plain English so that you don't have to be an accountant or a lawyer or a politician to understand it. And um, that seems to be a an approach that characterises everything that comes out of, of your office, Brad. So that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, thank you. Now we This is a time where we see, as accountants and advisors, this is the time where clients and people out there need us the most. And our, with our specialist knowledge, this is where we we can try and turn quite a scary proposition for people into a plan to move forward and to actually get through this and come out the other side where they otherwise thought it may not be there. And And all these stimulus measures are there to do exactly that. And there's a lot there on offer that can make a huge difference for them, They need, but they need to actually understand what's available and take advantage of it because that's what it's there for, is to help them in their greatest time of need. And we're trying to make sure we're available at all times to talk to people about this and and break it all down to say, okay, let's calm down, have a look at this in reality and work through a plan to get you through the other side and these are the things that we think are going to be applicable for you and how to to best access those and best position yourself to um, to come out
0: the other side. We've talked a lot about these measures in the context of small businesses that have employees but, of course, a lot of these measures have been um, adapted so that people who are self-employed can access them too and so that um, I guess different business structures are able to access a number of these measures too. So if you're concerned about whether or not these things might work for you, um, Brad Roberts at Peak Partnership might be just the kind of guy you need to talk to. Of course, you can always contact my office if um, there's anything you're concerned about and and we'll help to point you in the right direction. But um, Brad, do you want to um, tell people where they can find you and um, how they can talk to you some more?
1: Absolutely. So uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, happy to have a chat. And by all means, we have multiple different resources on our website, www.peakpartnership.com.au. So that's peak, P-E-A-K. Down there, you can access the guide that we've been talking about. We have work, work papers to work out your JobKeeper eligibility, whether you're an employee or you're a small business that runs through a trust, a partnership, sole trader, a small company um, there's a number of resources there that we're happy to share with people they just jump on there they can register their interest plug in their their email address and we'll give them access and email them all these tools that they can utilize and then give us a call um, on 07 visit the website or um, get in contact with me on bradr at peakpartnership.com.au we'll be happy to talk
0: Brad, thank you so much for your time today. I know that there will be many people who are um, grateful and relieved to have had the opportunity to hear from you and understand a little bit more about the resources that are available to help get them through this time. Um, Everything you're doing and everything um, I as a part of the government are doing are about trying to keep people in jobs, trying to keep businesses alive through this time um, and trying to give our economy... Um, everything it needs to be able to bounce back as easily and as quickly as it can once we get through this period of confinement. So for those who are struggling, hang in there. Uh, For those who need advice, here's one good place to get it. And um, if anybody is in need of further support, please don't hesitate to contact my office and we will back you in. Um, Thanks again, Brad. I'll let you get back to work, but all the best and keep up the great work.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, Amanda. Been great chatting and um, look forward to chatting again soon.
0: Good on you. Thanks very much.